welcome back to Live Bold and Boss Up Podcast. Your girls, Steph and Ash, are here laughing as usual. Um, today we chat with Dory Clark. If you don't know Dory, I think you need to look her up. She's on TED Talks. She's got five books, The Long Game being her most recent and best and, and one that she's in the middle of of sharing with the world right now. Um, she's the top 50 thinker in the world. I don't even know how you get that award. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But you can tell in the conversation that we have with her, she has the best questions. And I think that that's one thing that we all need to work on is asking more questions. I think we all, we've been, certain generations have been groomed to like not ask questions. Right. You may not know everything and it's okay just it's okay. asking the questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she's got TED Talks. So you want to go listen to those. She's on podcast and finally on ours, which we're super excited to have her wealth of knowledge and information. Yeah, she's fun and she's just energizing. So you don't want to miss it. So Dory, how did you even get started on this, right? Why is everyone asking you, hey, Dory, how do you, how are you strategic? How do you be strategic? How do you be a good manager? What's the long game? All these books that you've read, like how... Where did it all begin? Well, the the really great thing about writing a book about a topic is that at the end of the process, everyone assumes you're an expert. <laughs> so the challenge is to uh, is to hopefully actually be one, uh, because you know we we know that, uh, that that sometimes things are not what they seem. Uh, but but a, a book certainly is a uh, a helpful credibility marker. But in my case. I have always been interested in long-term strategy, just in the sense of wanting to make better decisions in life. I, for me, a kind of guiding question for a long time has been, what is it that I can do today that will make tomorrow easier or better? You know, I'm, I'm not somebody that is, um, you know, so consumed with immediate gratification that I can't just like buckle down. Like I'm willing to buckle down and do the things if I feel fairly convinced that they will yield a positive outcome in the future. And so the question for me was, you know, which is what I explored in the course of writing this book is how do you get smarter about that? How do you make better bets? Because if if the outcome is likely to be good, and that that seems like a decent investment to make. You know, let's uh, let's let's make tomorrow a, a little bit easier. Why not? Right? You don't know what's coming around the corner. Mm-hmm. Right. So obviously, we want to read your book, and we want our listeners to read your book. But what is like one piece of advice in your book, or that you would give someone that wants to start taking action immediately? Yeah, there's there's a lot or of different book? ways that we can think about it. Yeah. So the most recent one that I wrote, which is about the strategy topic, is called uh, The Long Game, How to Be a Long-Term Thinker in a Short-Term World. And that's where I was really kind of engaging with those questions. So one critical element, which I'm, I'm sure you guys have experienced, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about it, is the starting place for me was the fact that everybody 
theoretically thinks that being strategic is a good idea. I mean, there's not really anyone that like, you know, trashes that concept. You know, everybody's like, yeah, okay, that's that's great. But the problem is not that they don't believe it's a good thing to do. The problem is that they don't do it. And I wanted to understand what's that disjunct? Why are they not doing this thing that everybody knows is supposed to be good for us? And the starting point, actually, in a lot of ways, and the first part of the book is consumed with with this, um, is largely for some good reasons and some kind of specious reasons, we often don't let ourselves get to the strategic part because we are running around so much with these kind of trivial details about, oh, I'm so busy, I've got meetings, I've got emails. And so we we never get to the strategy where, ironically, strategic thinking could probably eliminate a lot of those downstream things. You wouldn't have to have the meeting. You wouldn't have to have the emails if you made the upstream choices to say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Um, but we get into a cycle that we really need to kind of forcibly break for ourselves. So a lot of the first part of the long game is really digging into that about how do you how do you know, like, what are the questions you can ask yourself to figure out, should I be doing this thing or not? And how can I create enough white space so that literally you have a minute to think, which can help free up even more space for yourself? Mm-hmm. I love that. I feel like being strategic is such a broad idea or term that it can mean a lot of different things, right? Um, like it depends on what industry or business you're in or what you're applying it to. Right. Or, or maybe to me, I think too, oh, well, I'm, maybe I'm not actually being strategic. Maybe I'm being too tactful. Like how, what, what's that, what's that level of strategy look like? You know, what does it really mean when you're being strategic? How do you know you're being strategic and you've hit that? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. I mean, I, I think that, at at one level, it's a it's a question about types of activities. I'll give you an example from my own life. I suspect that most that you know c- certainly you and you know probably most of your listeners are effective enough leaders, entrepreneurs, you know whatever. We've all probably optimized around on the edges, you know, all, perhaps almost as much as we can, right? Like we've gotten better, you know, faster at, oh, you know, if I, I know if I create a shortcut in Gmail, then I don't have to type those five words that take so much time. And so I can just hit a key and the five words appear and it's like, okay, amazing. That's excellent. I'm glad you're saving the seven seconds there, but that's probably not going to solve all of our problems. And so tactics is about, you know, these, these sort of, you know, optimizations around the edges, which are great. And I love them as much as the next person. But the the real question is, you know, how do you just zoom up to the next level to be asking yourself bigger questions in terms of, should I be doing this at all? You know, wh- or what is the thing that if I do it, will actually have larger ramifications? You know, what what is the first domino that I can tip so that 20 dominoes down, I get the outcome that I want? Where is the leverage in this situation? If I, you know, a, a great question, we often, when we are asked, you know, hey, can you take this meeting or whatever, in our brains, we often say, well, gosh, should I do it? Should I not do it? It's kind of the wrong question. What we should be asking is, all right, I've got 30 minutes 
what you know this 30 minutes will go away forever <laughs> and so should i use it on this or should i use it on literally anything else in the world and if so what should i use it on that is the kind of strategic question we're talking about and that's what can actually be really transformative if we, if we get in the habit of framing things that way damn i really like that i'm gonna listen back and write that down because that's so powerful like okay yeah you're right this 30 minutes is gonna go away forever like use it don't just sit there and check social media absent-mindedly like oh my gosh i'm so bad with that and then i'm like oh and then there goes 30 minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. So so I'm curious, you know, as you both think about, you know, strategy in your own life or strategic choices that you either have made or that, you know, you're you want to make, you know, maybe there are sort of these inchoate rumblings for you. Like what it, what does that look like? What would you say your relationship to strategic thinking is? Not, mm, not that, question. not the 30 minute thing. <laughs> that's for sure. Right. I, it's I, probably more big picture. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, long term, what do I want instead of breaking it down into like smaller pieces? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt No, you. no, go. I love it. No, that's just what I was going <laughs> to say. <laughs> I, you know, there was a once upon a time where I was all about the shortcuts on email and like, okay, well, if I could just create this email like this and then I'll use it 50 million times. And the fact of the matter is I can type really fast, fortunately or unfortunately, right? Like I can type that. It's fine. I can do that. Like my strategic brain goes to, or try to be strategic, right? Or whatever that means. I try to do it where I'm, I guess like more building relationships so that eventually those dominoes fall but I think I'm still trying to figure out, um, you know, okay, you build those relationships and then how do you kind of go back? I don't know why I'm doing a Z with my hands, but like you, you kind of go back and like revisit those, those relationships. But sometimes I forget about those connections. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. That's like totally in my own world, but. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, that's a great point. And, you know, you, you raise an important one, which is that for a lot of people, there's kind of this strategy gap in the middle because you know we're pretty good at figuring out you know the immediate sort of tactical things like all right i've got my to-do list i know you know this week i'm doing x and y and z and we know it's all very tactical because it's just like getting us to the next thing i've got the meeting and i've got to prepare for it so we're fine with that and then we're also you know not everybody but a lot of a lot of people are pretty good at like you know, super long term, like, well, in 20 years, I want my career to look like this. I want this amount of my bank account. I want to have this many employees and I want to, you know, buy a second home here or whatever, you know, but it's, it's often the middle part that gets a little bit murky. Like, how do I get from, I have to create this PowerPoint to, you know, the, the vision of, and now I have a thousand employees in a billion dollar business. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's totally my, my issue is that whole middle part. Like I'm, I can like envision what I want the future to look like. And then I'm not so good at all the like detail stuff to do lists and all that kind of stuff right now. But I know in my head I, what I need to do. But then it's like connecting those dots and actually carrying through the steps that you need to do to take those goals. Hmm. Dory, did you find like, like, some goodies along the way of writing all these books and doing all these podcasts where you're like, oh, this is how you navigate the middle part. 
<laughs> well, I, I did, fortunately. I mean, you know, for me, writing the books that I've written, it's kind of an excuse for me to do an intellectual deep dive in a lot of ways. Like, you know, obviously when you're writing a book, it takes, you know, however long, let's call it a year, and then you're promoting it, you're talking about it. So anytime you're embarking on a book project, it is a minimum of probably three years of your intellectual focus from start to finish. And so it really needs to be a topic that you're interested in. So for me, I think of it as kind of like my excuse, quote unquote, to have a, a self-guided tour where I learn about a topic and also get to talk to a lot of interesting people and thinkers and learn from them as well. And so for strategic thinking, this was this was part of it, too, is I really wanted to grapple with this. This was, you know, I kept hearing from people right right before the pandemic like 2018 2019 i mean we look back on that time as this sort of like you know halcyon time the before times but it's also true that they were very frenetic times and i remember just you know sort of making note and sort of the germ of the idea for the long game came from conversations that i would have from friends and colleagues and people would just say things like you know you'd be like hey how's it going and they'd be like I just wish I had time to think. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and it, it just seems like so so dire. They were they were racing around like a chicken with her head cut off and they they didn't even sometimes know why they were doing what they were doing. And I thought, you know, that clearly something is amiss here. Like we need to to recalibrate. So I'll give you one example. I mean, something that that I have learned and have incorporated into my own personal philosophy, uh, and I talk about this in the long game, is what I call thinking in waves. And, you know, we all recognize that as, you know, successful people, uh, just, you know, su successful perhaps entrepreneurially, but also just successful at being a human, a really good rule of thumb is if something's working for you, keep doing it. That, you know, that seems like a good, a good idea. Most people do that. Um, the problem is in life that we do that and we don't actually properly interrogate it because it turns out that especially when it comes to uh, to business, we we often have situations where people keep trying to do the same thing and milk the same concept or you know do the thing they like or do the thing they're good at. And you end up getting to a point, usually which is too late you don't recognize it until things start to crumble and the edifice is is in trouble um where you realize oh you know i've sort of been been missing this thing and so you know just as one example i have friends you know who have have been very successful at building their business in a variety of different ways but they hate networking they just absolutely hate it and so they don't do it and they manage to get pretty far but then they're hitting a ceiling because you know, at a certain point, like, you know, if you if you really want to advance in the club, you kind of need to have people vouching for you. You kind of need people to be recommending you when you're not in the room. And if you get to that point and everybody's like, you know, who's, who the hell is that? Um, the progress stops and you realize, oh, you know, they should have shifted to that mode of the thing that's a little harder or the thing that they don't like earlier. And so in thinking in waves, for me, it's it's kind of a strategic question, which I invite all of us to do. I try to do this myself of, of really saying, OK, there's things I'm good at. There th there's things I'm comfortable at. 
But how do I make sure that there's not going to be, you know, some wave that comes and swamps you later where you're, you know, you've been ignoring it and then it's to your peril. You have to learn to switch before you're forced to by the universe. Mm, That is great advice. And I was thinking as you were talking so many examples of when people don't do that or companies don't do that and they're not evolving and they're not growing and they're just doing what has always worked, but you're not like growing. Right. And then you get kind of get stuck behind. So that's a great way to think of things. Yeah. I like what you said about doing the thing that's uncomfortable earlier, because you're right. If you keep doing the same thing, even though it works, you're going to hit a plateau. That makes so much sense. And I, and I like how you said, you know, kind of asking questions on top of it. Like, okay, I like this. I like doing this. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Like diving deeper into what it is like, dig a little deeper as to why do you like that? You know, or why is that working for you? Um, I think that's, that's important to have those added questions. I'm kind of, I'm kind of doing that right now with, with my kids, right. Instead of blurting out, no, cause you know, that just like automatically comes out of my mouth a lot. Right. Like, instead of just saying, no, I try to, I try to just use words around that. Like, okay, but why, why do you want to do that? Let's talk about that. And then what I've been trying to do is transition that into business, just asking a little bit more questions to that. So, I think maybe that to me, that kind of a light bulb went on in my head for me to be a little bit more strategic. It's just diving into finding out more of the reason, finding out the why, or just digging a little deeper and kind of coming to that conclusion a little bit more. Yeah, I I love that. And I, I think that that you raised such a good point. In fact, one of the concepts that I talk about in the long game in sort of the, you know, the earlier sections of the book where we're talking about, you know, how do you how do you make smarter choices about your calendar and your time, you know, so that we can free ourselves up? One of the strategies that I talk about in terms of like, you know, I'll say in air quotes, fending off requests, because I think all of us kind of get too many of them. And I know, you know, a mistake that I made early on, like honestly, whatever, when you're just starting out, it doesn't even matter if you take a sort of dumb meeting because any meeting is like, oh, it's a person. They want to talk to me. That's cool. (laughs) You know, and you can kind of learn from it and it's fine. But, you know, as you get more successful and there's more demands on your time, you really can't afford that anymore. You've got to get more selective. And it sort of mystified me at first. Like I, I, I just wasn't like computing somehow that a lot of people will ask for a meeting And they haven't done the homework. Like they don't understand why they're asking. They have no idea. They have no agenda. They might even have some weird idea about what you do that's completely wrong. And then, you know, you get to the meeting and they're like, so I want to talk to you about, you know, increasing my sales flow. And and you're like, that's totally not what I do. Like, I don't know how to help you. And, you know, by then it's too late. So I am a big fan of just, you know, get sort of like go slow to go fast. So when somebody is requesting a meeting, instead of, you know, sort of privately agonizing about should I do it, should I not do it? Um, I love to actually sometimes even have a couple of rounds of emails back and forth. And if you have an assistant, even better, the assistant can do it. But it's, you know, basically asking like, you know, oh, well, so, you know, what do you want to talk about? Yes, you know, it'd be wonderful to connect, you know, please, but please, you know, tell me a little bit more about what you're interested in to, you know, to make sure I can help you. And just getting that level of data 
actually ends up kind of getting rid of at least 25% of the inquiries out of the gate because people don't have good answers or they have an erroneous understanding. Totally. I feel like I get so many emails wanting to meet and they're probably just trying to check off their like KPIs or so many meetings they have to hit for the week or for the month. And um, so that's great advice as far as following up and like, what do you want to meet about? Because you're going to be wasting your time and their time if you're just meeting just to meet to check that box. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah, And they they might they literally might not care if they're wasting their time because there's a lot of people for whom time is not precious, but we care. (laughs) So we need to be the (laughs) vigilant guardians against the barbarians at the gate. Yes. No, I I 100 percent agree with that. Um, So you've written five books now. I, I, you could say that I'll, I'll call it four with an asterisk. I've written, I've written four, like, you know, book books. And then I did, uh, I did a, a sort of E, E only book with, uh, with portfolio penguin. So you could, you could call that sort of a, a, a short fifth book. Wow. That's, that's a lot. And you said about three years for each book from like start to finish. So that's a lot, a lot of time and a lot of knowledge you've learned along the way that you're sharing. So that is awesome. Um, the long game was your most recent book you said. Exactly. Yes. Um, and then entrepreneurial, you reinventing you stand out and then stand out networking. You got it. Awesome. Well, um, I feel like I could definitely benefit I, from all of these. I know. I'm reading a book right now, and I was like, oh, when I'm done with this book, I don't have another book lined up. So I'm all set now. <laughs> what made you do the online book versus like a hard, like a like a physical book? It was a little bit of an experiment. I was creating my book um it's called stand out how to uh how to find your breakthrough idea and build a following around it and i was essentially just kind of brainstorming ideas for how to expand its marketing further and you know just trying trying to think of interesting ideas and i had been at the time this was 2015 uh, I was writing for Forbes at the time, and I had done a ton of articles for them. Um, I ended up writing for them for about two and a half years. I did more than 250 articles, and I thought, you know, gosh, that's a lot of content. And, you know, I did a lot of interesting interviews, so I thought I could repurpose it in some way. So I, I figured uh, a lot of what I talked about was was networking and connecting and uh, and relationship building. So I basically pulled, you know, most of the the interesting, sexy parts and turned it into its own standalone ebook as a kind of experimental promotional thing. It's just kind of like another way in to talk about my quote unquote main book standout. Mm-hmm. Great idea. Yeah. So what's next? I know there's probably always something else coming and always growing and learning. Do you have another book coming or? So this is actually where I get a little bit meta because in the past I was 
I, I, I felt like I had a little bit of a fire under me. You know, I had a lot of ideas, a lot of things I wanted to say. And also, you know, simultaneously, I was a little bit concerned that the publishing industry was going to totally collapse, you know, thanks to the internet. It hasn't, <laughs> but, you know, it was not an unreasonable fear. And so I wanted to pump out as many books as rapidly as I could. So I had books that came out in 2013, 2015, 2017, wow. you know, they were all coming out. Um, and so... I decided with the long game to slow it down. And so I um, I took more time in writing that book. And I also decided, you know, going meta, that I wanted to take more time in promoting the book. That uh, I think, ironically, I probably, to the detriment of my books, uh, switched too rapidly to the next thing and the next topic. And so I made the commitment to myself that I was going to spend five years promoting the long game and really uh, playing the long game with <laughs> its marketing so that I can build up a big enough snowball so that hopefully over time uh, it will be successfully able to roll down the hill on its own. Right. Mm -hmm. so, slow down to speed up. Right. I know. Yeah. That's, I keep hearing that slow down to speed up often, like recently. Is the long game your favorite book now? It feels like it is. I think it is my my favorite book. I mean, I um, something that was a challenge for me just personally was I came out of, you know, I mean, everybody when they kind of get into the, you know, business book writer um, zone, you know, they're kind of coming from different places. Some people are entrepreneurs or some people have worked inside big companies or things like that. Uh, for me, I started my career as a journalist and then I have been self-employed and had my own consulting business since 2006. But as a journalist, you know, a classically trained journalist, the, the mantra that's drilled into your head is you are not the story. Don't talk about yourself. You know, the, the, the subject is the story. It's, you know, sort of considered narcissistic or whatever to write about yourself. Um, but what I slowly kind of came to realize when it came to business literature is I mean, it's true. It's true. Like if you take it to extreme, you can be pretty navel gazy, but people actually are legitimately interested in how you are applying things or how you are walking the talk. And, you know, it's easy to go to the opposite extreme where you have this almost stentorian authorial voice where it's like, do this, you know, and you're like handing down tablets from the mountain or something. <laughs> and that's, that's just, it gets old pretty fast. It's like, really? Like, you know, who are you to hand down the freaking tablets, you know? <laughs> so I, I think it's a lot more relatable where you're able to say, look, here's the thing I tried. Here's what I learned from it. And so I have gotten better as I have progressed in my books with being able to integrate that. And of course, you know, it's, it's leavened by other people's stories. It's leavened by research backing it up so that it has some substantive heft and is not just like a journal, but... I think that it gives it a little bit more relatability that I have increased the ratio of talking about the experiments that I have tried personally. Totally. I like reading books like that. Like I like reading from other people's uh, successes and failures. And that way I know like what worked, what didn't. And it's kind of like makes the road a little bit easier for everybody else. That's totally. exactly why we do this podcast. It's just learning from everybody else, right? It's so much fun. And the book is available on Audible as well. It is. And I, na I narrated this one myself. I was going to ask that. 
my first book, uh, Reinventing You, uh, I was, I, you know, your first book, right? Like, you don't, you don't know what's happening. You don't know what's coming at you. And so by the time I finally thought like, oh, wait, there should be an audio book. Gosh, I wonder if there's going to be an audio book. I like re- reached out to my editor and asked and they're like, oh yeah, we sold those rights like a billion years ago. It's already recorded. I'm like, what? Isn't like, that crazy? They didn't, they didn't even ask me, you know, I was super offended. And so from that point on, I decided that I was going to be a fanatic, like a extremely annoying to them fanatic to make sure that I would get to narrate the audiobooks. Um, with a second one, you know, the, the standout, which was the first book that I did get to narrate, um, they, the, the, the people that they sold the rights to, this is what happens, of course, when you're not self-published, right? You have to sort of deal with these different parties. And so the people were like, well, you know, you can try out. I just went so <laughs> ballistic. I'm like, I'm going to try out for my own book. Like, I don't think so people. Right. <laughs> I think that's so crazy that, that they can even do that. Oh, it's so insulting. So how did you it's get horrifying. around that? What did you do? I was aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) I would say I just, uh, in, in, in between, uh, in between charm, persuasion and rage, (laughs) I made it extremely clear to them that no, I was going to narrate this audio book. I mean, you know, fortunately they, they decided that I had a peppy enough voice that it would be (laughs) reasonable, but, but actually, I mean, it was, you know, I, I guess I got a taste of my own medicine because the days that they reserved for the audiobook recording, it was, it was, you know, January. And of course, uh, the day comes and I am in the midst of like the worst flu that humanity has ever known. Oh no. So I had a fever, I was coughing, but I, I was gonna record this audiobook. So, uh, I mean, it actually sounds really good. Although my voice is like two octaves lower on that book because I'm just like, well, <laughs> it was like my Kathleen Turner voice. Oh my gosh. And books are way better in your own voice. Like right. no matter what, whether you have a flu or not, like, cause you can put your personality into it and like exactly what you meant. Your tone, right? Yeah. To the words. Well, good. I'm glad you got to do that for. <laughs> Thank this. you. It was, it was very affirming. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dory, thank you so much for coming on here, sharing some tidbits of information, very valuable, great advice. Um, We are going to put a link to your website and your books on our show notes. And um, along with some, some little boss bites, we call them that you provided. There's a (laughs) lot in there. Um, Any last minute uh, pieces of advice or words that you would like to give to the listeners? I appreciate it so much. It's great to talk to with you both. Uh, I'll just mention too, there's a, a free resource if people would like to get even more strategic. Uh, it's the Long Game Strategic Thinking Self-Assessment. Uh, you can get it for free at doryclark.com slash the long game. Um, but above and beyond that, I would say one other strategy that I've heard from many people has been part of what's most impactful in the book is a concept I call optimize for interesting. Because I I think that in a lot of cases, we sort of tie ourselves up trying to find, you know, the perfect thing that, you know, the, the career we're meant for, or, you know, what is the right step? And we, we keep looking for this sort of perfect outcome. And it's really hard, you know, because looking out into the future, nobody knows what's going to be perfect. Nobody knows what's going to be right. All you can do is take a guess. 
And so I feel like one of the most liberating things we can do is lower the bar, lower the pressure and say, you know what? I don't know if it's perfect. I don't know if it's like my soulmate job or my, you know, the thing I'm destined for in life. But all you can legitimately say is, is it going to be interesting? And if we optimize for interesting, then we know it's at least going to be entertaining for us. And it's probably going to lead us in a direction where we're going to learn something. And that is going to help us down the road, make even better decisions. I love love that. that. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. It's like, you can't make a bad decision. It's not good or bad, right? Just go with interesting. I like that. You'll learn something along the way. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Dory. It's been such an honor to have you on. Yes. What a treat to finally get to talk with you. I know. Thank you. I know. You too. And until next time, live bold and boss up. <laughs>